Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Rehab Expert Success Show. And today we're going to be talking about a recent conversation I had with another colleague on Instagram. Uh, just kind of talking about a post that was made in regards to sprinting, postures, positions, uh, and things necessary as it relates to the foot, ankle, and the Achilles complex, uh, and some drills you may want to consider. This also has a lot of um, indications for people who are dealing with Achilles tendinopathy type issues, um, and really just anything gait related uh, as well. So um, this conversation I had with uh, John Garsh. John has been on the Sports Rehab Expert site before as part of a teleseminar series. Uh, so be sure to check that episode out if you are a Sports Rehab Expert member, um, as well as uh, listening to this episode, or you can follow him on Instagram uh, just by searching John Garish. He's got a great amount of deal on his Instagram page and a lot of cool drills that he performs with his athletes at North Baldwin Prep. Um, so if you're listening here on um, the podcast, uh, I'm going to try to describe this as best as you can, but you can also uh, view this on YouTube as well. Um, and the YouTube video actually shows some of the pictures and some of the videos that we were talking about. Or again, you can just head to John's Instagram page and uh, you can try to find the pictures that we're talking about there. Uh, but uh, probably finding it on YouTube is the easiest version to get a better sense, but I'll describe it best that I can here. So the first video you're going to see is um, a number of different athletes nailing a sprint posture. Um, the sprint posture is something that you're looking for uh, with any type of athletes who's sprinting at top end speed. We want a nice tall posture. Um, you can see the swing leg. Uh, that foot is uh, operating above the patella. Uh, so as that foot swings through, the heel is going to be above the patella. And on ground contact on full support, you should see that heel pretty much in line with the stance leg, if not just slightly behind it. But we don't want to see a large leg of the tibia and the whole um, tibia being seen. The, the tibia should be pretty well hidden by the stance leg, and that heel should be just coming through and coming through high. Uh, and if you look at both knees, the knees should be equal with one another, if not slightly in front of the that stance leg. So those are a couple things that you'll see from the swing leg perspective. Obviously, again, the torso and the body is up nice and tall. We want to limit a crouched posture. Uh, but then what you also notice, and this is kind of what we were talking about in the episode primarily um, when we're talking back and forth which you'll we'll get to in just a moment but you'll see how the knee is at a, a slight angle uh, we could say maybe like a 15 20 degree angle um, but it's not fully straight and that's something that i think is missed a lot when we're talking about training a lot of training squats deadlifts were uh, power cleans, hand cleans, we're emphasizing the triple extension and we're emphasizing, um, you know, pushing the knees back. But pushing the knees back is a very uh, uh, long ground contact time uh, solution or cue. Uh, and the foot really, it just smacks the ground and then it goes right back into uh, swing phase, especially at top end sprinting. So we need to consider that. Um, and in order to uh, allow that loading to occur through the whole entire leg, allow the, the bouncy ball-like analogy to happen at the foot when you hit the ground, uh, the Achilles needs to be on an eccentric orientation um, so that we can eccentrically load, so that we can produce concentric power. So having the tibia translate forward over top of the foot, foot forefoot 
allows for this spring-like action to occur. And a lot of people will refer to this position as the, the, the spring action of the Achilles. Easiest example I can have is if you're just standing still uh, and you were to uh, try to jump, if you pulled your forefoot up, um, so pulled your toes up off the ground and try to jump off your heels, you're not going to get very high. Whereas if you allow the forefoot to go down to the ground and as you do your counter movement, and you kind of push through the floor, your knees and your shins are going to travel forward. You're going to put more weight on your forefoot, which allows you to load the Achilles and ultimately load the whole entire kinetic chain a little bit more optimally to produce force and power. So uh, in order to access that when we're sprinting, the knee has to be forward, the tibia has to be forward, uh, and we have to be placing weight over the forefoot. And if you just think about this as kind of the journey that the foot takes during any gait movement, we go from heel to toe. We don't go from toe to heel if we're trying to sprint forward. So um, just take that into consideration too. If you're sprinting at higher speeds, you shouldn't hit your forefoot and then the knee extend and then the heel hit the ground because you're essentially moving backward from the journey that your center of mass should take uh, as it's uh, accessing uh, pressures over top of the foot. So if we get into the next picture, um, you'll see an athlete uh, who is kind of in one of these positions. This is where my comment took place was uh, the athlete was performing a skipping type drill and the knee was snapping back. Um, and you you could see that his he would go from his forefoot to his heel and to allow the knee to fully extend. Where my argument was, was we would want to try to keep the knee bent and the tibia over top of the forefoot so that he could keep that spring-like action occurring and he could keep that positive shin angle to produce horizontal force that would be necessary in sprinting. Um, now, if you look back at that picture that was shown previously, um, you could see, I think he's uh, not quite positive on this, but I think he's also the, the top, is in the top row in the third picture from the left. Um, it's the same athlete and you can see he hits a pretty darn good angle there. And um, so the, the conversation then leads to, okay, is it actually a strength issue? Probably not because he's able to achieve this position um, during a sprinting activity. Is it a coordination issue? Probably not because he's able to achieve this posture or position during a sprinting activity, but it could be a coordination or just an understanding of that particular drill that he didn't necessarily have um, full competency over or something that you'd want to tell him to do a little bit differently to optimize the potential gains that he could get from the drill. Um, and that's really the only intent that you would have from this cue. Um, it doesn't really need to be extrapolated further than that because he's again hitting the postures necessary at high sprinting speeds. Um, we also talk a little bit in our discussion how this potentially relates to people who are dealing with Achilles tendon injuries or tendinopathies or low levels of pain, some changes in their gait and their running that you'll see, um, and how this uh, knee snapping back is a way to decrease the amount of load for the Achilles, which potentially creates other compensatory actions, but uh, effectively allows the body to compensate and not load the Achilles to the same extent. So something that you'll often see with people who are dealing with pain is that they can't delay this knee extension, which is necessary for high levels of sprinting speeds. Uh, the final picture here that I'm just bringing up is someone who does have their knee bent a little bit and does have their center of mass forward over top of the forefoot. And this was another skipping drill that I, I brought up um, in our conversation and one that I liked, uh, this whole hugging the arms concept, like you're doing a bear hug, which forces the athlete to get a little bit more rotation through their trunk. 
Um, and then I also mentioned how I incorporate this with a more of a geriatric population too. So um, be sure to listen to this episode. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at greg at sportsrehabexpert.com or you can follow along on any of the social media channels and uh, place your comments there. Um, if anybody else has questions that they'd like to see, I enjoy having these conversations and face-to-face talks with individuals. So I'm uh, more than happy to have a talk with anybody as well, too. Um, we just need to find a time for that. And uh, again, you can contact me at greg at sportsrehabexpert.com. Or if you're in the members area of Sports Rehab Expert, um, definitely hit us up inside of there or inside of the Facebook group. And we'd love to start more conversations with you face-to-face so we can have more talks and moving, uh, more talks like this, moving the industry forward and moving uh, both of us together forward by using each other's knowledge instead of just listening to one another uh, spew ideas uh, to open air. I think it's much better to have a conversation um, in a, in a, in an open conversation, back and forth conversation to progress one's knowledge as opposed to just spitting out your own ideas and never having anybody to talk about it with. So if you could, could you, um, you talked about like delaying knee extension um, at um, touchdown full support for one of our, one of our athletes in those drills. And I've heard some coaches talk about delaying knee extension um i think it's possible i've even heard you discuss it um so but it's kind of a a, an idea that's somewhat foreign to me or at least maybe in that terminology or kind of what we're looking for um from that standpoint so you could could you explain like not not just in that drill but also how that's going to apply to what you know that young man wants to do when he's sprinting or all of our kids we kind of want to see right right um the first thing I just always have a little bit of a hesitancy to kind of uh, remark on drills because it's just a short period of like context that you don't really know the whole situation. So yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, so not trying Sorry, to. I'm turning my camera on, by the way, just so you yeah. know. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So not trying to jump on the jump on it in any way, shape, or form. Oh, just no. kind of some observations with that. But um, the uh, so if we. I kind of take everything back to gate because that's kind of where it first starts. So walking and then obviously as you speed things up, things are going to be different a little bit. Um, so if you go back to walking first, the first thing that's going to strike is the heel and then the, the foot travels through supination to pronation to resupination for a rigid lever to push off of. Um, so on that path that it, it takes during gate, you're going from heel to forefoot. Um, so kind of, taking that up to a faster and faster speed, moving linearly much, much faster, um, you're going to miss the heel, go from forefoot to still get a, a soup, or get a pronation phase and then a resupination. Um, the pronation will still happen just because you're, you're looking to get that uh, elastic potential energy coming from the ground. Um, and uh, the, that happens as soon as like ground reaction forces. Once your foot hits the ground, you're going, gravity is going to kind of take you to pronation. And then as you get to your big toe, then you hit resupination. Okay. Um, so if you go from uh, midfoot hit into a, uh, the heel kind of dropping down and the, the heel dipping like that, it's your, your center of mass isn't necessarily traveling forward or the foot doesn't necessarily have the, 
capability to um, withstand the loading at that joint angle potentially. Um, so I, it, looking at it from a rehab standpoint, I see a lot of people with like Achilles tendinopathies and one of the struggles that they have when they uh, are sprinting or getting back into sprinting if they still have pain, uh, pain, pain or the weakness of the tendon limits their ability to keep that forward shin angle. Um, they, you'll see a large heel drop that's almost, it's much, much more exaggerated than what was shown in that video. Um, but their, their heel drops down, they go to contact with their heels so that they can drive the knee back into uh, knee extension um, and almost kind of uh, avoid loading, loading the Achilles. So that uh, forward tibia angle, um, there's other people that have talked about it too, where it's uh, like Cal Dietz, I believe, calls it the, the, the spring-loaded position of the Achilles, um, where you put it on a little bit more of that uh, stretch by being in dorsiflexion um, relative to the angle of the, the tibia. So that angle, uh, like, which is why I liked all the other pictures that you showed at like, the top speed sprinting, you can yep. kind of see how that tibia is, is forwardly migrated over top of the forefoot um, and that's the angle that most people will hit um, when they're sprinting at high speed or the, the type of position you're trying to achieve more or less um, and it, it, when they're sprinting at top end speed if you're getting that knee driving backwards you're getting uh, you're probably getting longer ground contact times and you're probably getting a lot more backside mechanics too um, sure. if that makes sense it does it does. So what do you think? I mean, what's our place there then? Is it kind of getting back to allowing? Yeah, so it's inter interesting. It? I was trying to tell actually if that guy was in the pictures uh, that you showed in kind of the second he slide. Was. Where yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he had to be. Yeah, he had to be. I, I can't um, I can't think back to – am I able to close out of my screen and look at the picture? Do you know? Is that going to close uh, me out? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll hold on. He's definitely in there. He's definitely yeah. in there. Because I, I was looking at it, and, and all the positions look really good in that, that photo there. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's interesting where maybe it's just a matter of the drill where he's not aware of that he's supposed to sure. do that. And then when he goes at higher and higher speeds, maybe he just kind of self-corrects and, and yep. gets into a better position. Um, so I, I don't – or potentially maybe the drill somehow points out. Because my thought process would go to, number one, either – he mechanically just coordination isn't able to do it, but he showed in that other picture he's able to do it. Um, so then the other standpoint is looking at it from a, a, a strength standpoint. Like, is he able to withstand that dynamic yeah. load? You know, um, it's, it's funny you say that. He actually – I don't think he was saying his – it was yesterday. Now that picture you were talking about was from Saturday. Um, but I was with him yesterday, and he was mentioning – I don't think it was Achilles, but it was something back um, behind his heel up into his ankle a little bit. So I wonder if there's something there. Okay. Uh, you know, because he did mention that yesterday, um, yeah. which is possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's so many <laughs> potential of course, yeah. variables with that. But, yeah, so that it's something that I see from uh, – a rehab standpoint when people are dealing with some type of lower extremity injury where they can't create uh, 
it's not that they can't create it. It's that their tendon or the injury is just not allowing them to, to load it that aggressively. Um, right. So they find a different strategy to allow their body to, to load. And that sure. just might be more of a knee dominant strategy at that point in time. Um, so, yeah, the things that I do to, to kind of work on it, again, it might not be that he needs to work on it or anything of that nature, but um, like just isometric loading is kind of where I usually start um, with some type of, especially if somebody has an injury. Um, so a couple ways you can do that is, uh, you know, just with your standard heel raises, kind of mimic that shin angle. Um, and then you can either just, uh, you know, kind of hover the heel off the ground and hold that isometrically. Um, and you can do that at a variety of different angles for the calf too and, and work the both the gastroc and the soleus um, from a variety of different angles and also how much you plantar flex them too will make a difference. But I try to keep the heel pretty low just because it mimics that position a little sure. bit more. Um, the other thing uh, you can do too is uh, I'll do like a kind of get them almost in a split stance. It's not as um, it's not as big of a stride forward, but uh, have them basically like a, their back leg or their trail leg is more or less just a kickstand. And we're working on the front leg and trying to get our center of mass over top of the, the front leg. So um, letting the knee bend over top of the forefoot and letting the hips and torso coming with that. So the, the head, the shoulders, the hips, the knee are all stacked over top of the, the midfoot. And you start shifting so far forward that the um, the heel is basically just starting to hover off of the ground. Um, and so that's another way that uh, you can kind of start loading it isometrically into that position. Um, so How that's long a way Yeah, good question. Um, so the anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds um, is usually what I go and then five, six sets of that. Um, so that all, yeah, it's usually more of someone who's injured that uh, I started doing that with. So someone who's yeah. maybe not dealing with quite as much could probably do a little bit more or obviously load it more too. Yeah. Um, and then just trying to, to mimic that point and that shin angle with the drills as well. Um, so yeah, more. my guess would be that he's able to get to that position because he did it in sprinting and they just didn't know that he was supposed to do that during yeah. the drill. So it's more of just a drill thing. Um, yeah. yeah, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there'll be others that even if he doesn't necessarily have the issue, somebody will. So, and regardless yeah. from the training standpoint, um, you know, my curiosity was piqued. Yeah. Uh, just because I've heard plenty of people mention some of the same ideas that you have and haven't really figured out how to apply it necessarily. So, yeah. Uh, no, that's sweet. I appreciate you chiming in on it, man. Usually, you know, Social media, <laughs> social media dialogue can you know sometimes go positive and sometimes not go so positive. Yeah, so yeah. So being able to hear legitimate insight and then you know being able to talk to you and hear about you know what what you would do or not do in that instance is is helpful because you know I don't we can't claim to know all the answers. So yeah, uh, it's interesting you know, to look at it from a like an acceleration or a top end speed standpoint too. Because uh, like an acceleration posture, I think you're you're trying to drive more of that knee extension, more of that quad. Um, it might still, if you 
I do a lot of like just looking at because I like sprinting probably just as much as you sure. do too. I, I look at the postures a lot too, and the, the knee doesn't always necessarily fully extend in a lot of top end sprinters during acceleration, but it's it's much much further into extension. Um, plus the angle obviously is going to impact that a little bit more too. Yeah, I'd um, I'd be curious. Um, I know I don't I don't want to throw someone's name out there if it's incorrect who I saw it from, but I know there was an, a research article in this, and this information could be quite dated at this point because I don't remember. I, I feel like some of the data came from uh, one of the Olympics, um, and it might have been a while back. But um, an article that had discussed basically that some of the best sprinters at those games or at that time, whatever it was, um, showed the most rigidity from their. Um, I, I want to say that they said specifically at the knee joint, but they might have just said um, leg at yeah. top end sprinting. Um, I'll have to dive back into that and see. Do you are you familiar with the with what I'm talking about? Not not that study, no. Um, yeah, I'll see. I'll see what I can find. Happening. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because you still, that doesn't mean that they're completely, they're not running stiff legged, you know, right. just that probably relative to people that aren't quite as strong, probably can't handle those forces or even create those force those forces. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it, it does make me want to, you know, go back and look, um, just at how that kind of fits into this same conversation, you know? Yeah. If you talk about like people who are, pushers to pushers lead to more ground contact time which you yeah. want a little bit more in acceleration but top end speed not so much and then if they are pushing their knee back then that that i would say is a telltale sign that somebody's a little bit more of a pusher than um, mm -hmm. using the elastic capabilities okay yeah it definitely changes i'm going to be working with some kids here in a few minutes I'm, it's definitely going to change yeah. how i'm <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting, yeah. And then um, sometimes too, like you don't want, obviously you don't want to get the kid thinking too much too, especially if he's hitting yeah. it in top end speed. So sometimes you just don't want to intervene too much either. So correct. It's always yeah. a yeah, it's a always, those, always a battle. Those videos and pictures, I, I, you know, um, that's that's ultimately just like a, I guess a peek into my coaching style. Like I really don't cue all that much. I try to stay yeah. away from it. Um, not stay away from it, but only use it when it's necessary. Right. Um, and, you know, video, of course, is really important and pictures are, are very important. Um, but from a standpoint of sometimes, sometimes even that, like using so many words, sometimes clouds the information that I want them or, or not necessarily clouds the information, but maybe clouds the way they, they take it in. You know, yeah. like I, I hope I hope sometimes that obviously they're not going to unless they want to get into coaching and really take this seriously, they might have the benefit of conversations like this, but um, right. more often than not, probably all of us like saw people sprinting and thought, wait a second, you know, some of our best do that. And some of our not the best are able to, you know, maybe perform some of these drills better than the others. And, and why is it not applying? So sometimes I hope them being able to just purely see what they're doing and what some others are doing that, maybe are a little bit more capable for lack of a better term or, um, or a little bit slower. Um, and they can see and kind of just take it all in because again, I think that's another, um, 
another way to, to take in some of that information. Um, but that's, That's, yeah, that's, that's the best way I've found to do it. Um, and I, I try not to overload our kids with information, even if I am kind of overloading with pictures and videos. Um, that's more so either, either for me, um, or, or for them to kind of just take a look at and, um, see what they're doing, you know, but that's, I mean, that sort of information has helped me change drastically, you know, not just adding things, but also like taking away things that I previously wanted to do. Some of my, some of my better sprinters when I was just a year or two in, um, I did things that undoubtedly now I would say held them back. Right. Just from a, from a movement and biomechanical standpoint, um, you know, changes that I tried to make when they, you know, when they weren't necessary. So, yeah, no, that's, I think the drills that you're adding are, uh, real sweet. Cause all of them pretty much just forced the person to like the wicket drills, the arms overhead, the kind of the bear hug where you're mm-hmm. trying to drive some rotation. It pretty much does what you're trying to get them to do without telling them to do anything. So that's, yeah, cool. that's, that's, cool that's the goal. That's yeah. the goal when we have, you know, when we have a lot of kids and queuing is tough anyway, or, you know, I could just throw out buzzwords all day and, you know, it's yeah. not going to seemly seem to, you know, accomplish much. Um, that's where that's all started, you know, not necessarily the wickets because the wickets are tough with big groups. Um, but the other drills, either with an implement hold or a different hand position or arm position, um, yeah. you know, we all got that for the most part. So, it makes yeah. it really easy to just kind of drive home an idea. Yeah. No, it's cool. Like I even, uh, I took that uh, bear hug and that rotational drill and used it on a, uh, an 80 year old guy with a fall risk. I just had him. Oh, hug a bear, right? uh, yeah. Hug him, hug a, a med ball and forcing him to kind of, cause he wasn't rotating his trunk at all when he was walking. So yeah. I just, uh, it, it relates to everything too. So that's, that's cool. awesome. Man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. 